Hey, welcome everybody to podcast number 39, presented by Five Pin Universe. I'm your host, Kerry Kreitz. We got the Wiseman twins, Dexter and Tim, and we have Adam Weber. It's just the podcast crew once again. We did have a couple guests lined up, but uh, memories have failed them and stuff got in the way, so just us again for one more week. We well, asked Michael Michael failed. Yeah, we asked him like 10 minutes ago. <laughs> And he was like, no, guys, I'm watching a movie. So uh, Disney Plus, thanks I for guess. that. Thanks for that. Disney we said Plus. so many nice things about you last week. That, that Disney Plus subscription gets everybody. So uh, our first topic um, was a question I posed on Facebook a while back, early last week, um, regarding sponsors for professional five-pin bowling um, stuff out west. And I just want to reiterate, like, Five Pin Universe is not part of the WCBT. We're just a sponsor of the WCBT. So we're just looking to help out these professional bowlers or the professional associations as to how they can get more sponsorship, more uh, outreach through sponsorship. And my main target was bowling manufacturers. Um, I tagged a couple groups in there, like Dexter Bowling, Phipps Bowling, I tagged Bufa in there, Epco Manufacturing. Um, Bufa obviously responded, but they're more of a distributor. They don't manufacture bowling products as such, especially for five-pin bowling. But companies like the Dexters, the Storms, the the Epcos, um, I guess what are your guys' thoughts on to what they need to see in order to maybe come out and sponsor some of these events maybe even sponsor a player like adam weber would be a perfect example as a person that only plays star lines made by epco you would think they'd jump all over that if you want to play like the number one or used to be the number one player in the rankings <laughs> throw star lines right that should be a, a marketing material for them and it works so well in 10 pin and it's overlooked in five pin Maybe it's because bowling balls seem to last forever in five-pin bowling, and maybe that's they don't see a big upside to it. Um, but what are your guys' thoughts on it? At least on the uh, on the shoe side of the game, um, they definitely do not have the lifespan that that bowling balls do. They used to. I remember. I mean, we still have seniors that have bowling shoes that have been around for literally fifty years, and you cannot destroy the things. Uh, they don't make them that way anymore and and the technology has changed too back in the day you didn't have the replaceable sliders and heels and all that fun stuff too so yeah that creates new challenges but um uh, i i i feel like they are designed to break down in a period of time um so i think that's something that the the bowling shoe companies should approach the five pin bowlers about those are the those are the things that we have to replace every couple of years. Adam Weber replaces them all the time. He may not change bowling shoes very often, but I, he's probably the per, or sorry bowling balls very often. But he's probably the person that I I know who changes his sliders or the leading edge or um, whatever he can to get like his appropriate amount of slide. Probably more than anybody I know in the game. Um, so uh, the shoes are so vital to our game they should be approaching us more i think um and i think what we need to do is a maybe maybe get them some numbers you know we have this many people playing five pin across canada that nothing gets sponsored for it is it's way more than 10 pin 
I think I think in uh, for a bowl Canada standpoint, I think there was something like two hundred and fifty five pin centers and maybe like sixty ten pin centers. But it's it's a it's a drastic number difference. Get them those numbers. Get them the numbers of members that are involved with that. But also maybe maybe it's time we start like you know reaching out to the bowlers at the higher levels of the game and and we talk about the uh, what everybody's wearing for shoes all the time and a common trend over most of our podcasts is you know uh, I've been creating these customized shoes that you know I've been gluing the sliders and stuff on or you know I have a pair of shoes but I think the next one I'm going to do is a customized pair of shoes maybe it's time that we need to reach out to these people create a survey create some sort of data where it's like okay I have this style of shoe I have this style of shoe or I'm making my own shoes or whatnot. Um, and then give that information to the, uh, to the bowling shoe developers out there because they are losing touch with the five pin side of the game. 10 pin is massive, but they are really, really starting to lose people in the five pin side of the game. I think the, the biggest thing is the, the, the game is so much different on the slides. Uh, between the five pin and ten pin, right? Um, in five pin, we have that really long slide in comparison to ten pin, and I, I think the shoes just take a, a more of a beating, um, and that's probably why there there is so much of the replacement of whether it's the actual shoes themselves or the sliders or the heels, and uh, obviously they're breaking down so much more these days. Uh, those, uh, especially the sliders. Um, and then, of course, now the, the new sliders are 70 or $80 to, to replace, right? Which is also kind of ridiculous. Um, I, I think some of the manufacturers are really missing the boat on taking a look at the Canadian game and see if there might be a, a bit of a, a design change that, that they can really utilize within our game that would also benefit, you know, some of the 10 pin players down there as well. Um, but, uh, I, I really don't think that we should be the ones uh, that have to provide that data. I, I obviously we can, we could run those surveys and try to help them out. But if you're a business, would your goal not to be to grow your business, right? And, and look at all avenues and, you know, is it a viable market? This is fourth greatest invention. It's uh uh, it, it's at a second grade eventually yeah. as is ahead of insulin, yeah. right? Like it, it's, it, it's a huge sport, the, the amount of players that are in there. And I think if they were able to bring the right product to the market, I, I think most people would end up going with that product rather than looking at other alternatives. But it, it's kind of the, almost the new norm to look at alternatives because costs are ridiculous now. And uh, the, the comfort just doesn't make sense so that they, they just don't last long enough. I, I, I straight out think that there's when was the last time Daster we've ever seen a rep other than that from a distributor at our center? Uh, I mean I mean we've seen Boofer come out, Boofer's come out and visited us. Yeah. And and that's a distributor, but we have never ever seen right. so, one of those companies producers out there. So I guess we, we, we Carrie had an opportunity went on in Vegas. They really didn't care much. I mean, we didn't really talk to a lot of them, but they really had no inkling. Oh, you're from Canada, whatever. See you later, kind of thing, right? Had really no like, that real no gumption to, to to have a conversation with us or cared really what we were doing up north. As much as Adam can say, like, they can learn something from us. 
probably at the end of the day, we're, we're probably 5% of what their total sales are worldwide. They, they don't probably don't really care too much about it. And, and unfortunately I think that's what we really have to understand. Maybe we just adapt and figure out our own custom shoes. Yeah. Don't... Maybe that's the way we can go. Maybe somebody else can come and do something like that. Yeah. The only argument I have against that is you see all these companies and I've worked for them for companies like that, where they're always worried about, Oh, we want to grow next year by 5%, right? That that's their goal. Yeah. So if we are only 5% of their total sales, if they lose us, they're down 5% on their total sales, right? A, A company can be so big and really their main focus may not be on that small minority but they are still going to put some effort into it because it's still a percentage of their sales. And um, I just don't think we're loud enough, right? Like we have five pin universe has a decent amount of followers. WCBT has a decent amount of followers. Canadian five pin has a decent amount of followers. Why don't these associations hopefully get together and speak loud to these manufacturers? This is our game. This is what we're here for these costs of these bowling shoes are going through the roof like what is it now for a pair of sst9s uh 375 yeah plus tax that's that's insane and your interchangeable slider and heels is like 55 60 dollars each right yeah i just i have a hard time desha and i know we talked about this i i will never try to sell those shoes to anybody because you're not getting the money back off them and then if you had to replace something you're going to pay all that money again. It just doesn't make any sense to me. I I really think, honestly, the only real people that really, maybe other than the WCBT now, and if maybe Club Tour gets something with professional standpoint on it, but I really think that uh, Volcana is the one that has to be doing this because Volcana has proprietors in their back pocket that will be willing to maybe get that information. If it's coming from another association like the Masters or Five Pen or or whatever else that you know, I, I just don't. I just don't think they'll see it and and read the read the money or read the, the stuff you know accordingly, right? I think if us proprietors are the ones putting up the poster up on the wall, we're selling the stuff. We're we're giving the information to the bowlers, right? It's it's part of our job to give them the right information. And I think about ninety percent proprietors out there just sell the stuff and doesn't don't give the consumer the right information, right, Dex? How many times do we say, yeah, hey, yeah, you know what? Sorry. You're like, I want this ball in this size. You know what? Yeah, you know what? You're, you're seven years old. You don't need that ball, right? You don't need the SST9s at that age, right? But people will just sell it because it's what they want. But, in, you know, I don't know. That's, but the, but that's a sense. good thing for the manufacturers and distributors. They want you to sell that, even though it, it may not be best for the bowler at that time. As a distributor, sure. yeah. you're, you're yeah. trying to overturn your product, get it out there, sell it, and bring in next yeah. year's yeah. stock, right? Um professional professionals can be marketed to help that right like you got these young ybc players and juniors and coming up to seniors and they see adam weber there on an afternoon practicing at Sherwood bowl don't you think they're kind of wondering well what kind of shoes is adam wearing what kind of bowling balls does adam throw that he's so good at the game you would think if there was a poster or a cutout cardboard of Let's not say Adam, let's say Mitch Davies from Ontario. Everybody hears about him. Well, Mitch Davies throws this product and Dexter sponsors him. I think that would produce people selling or buying that product. 
it may not be as big as like a Pete Weber in Tenpin because they got national coverage and stuff like that. But you got to start somewhere. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree missed. with you. But and Epco, Epco is is a candle pin, duck pin company making five pin balls in the states, hmm. right? For example, right? But and, they advertise and, five pin bowling balls on their website. So if they spent the yes. time saying that this can be used for five pin as well, they've spent some marketing time to even put that up. So yeah, I I know I, I fully understand that. I just I just five pin bowling they, Canadian market's a lot bigger than the duck pin market. I'm pretty sure. Absolutely, but Epco, I, I, and, and I'm not saying you're wrong there, Carrie. By any means, I think Epco hasn't changed in since they opened, right? Yeah. Unfortunately, right, and I think that has to change too, right? Phipps is the only really true Canadian bowling ball manufacturer out there, yeah. right? And I and his, and his is it's really a small operation compared to the whole thing too, right? Yes, for sure. But he has the opportunity to make whatever he wants to out of it. Because he does bands too, I think, right? So. Yeah. Yeah. the average yeah. strikes oh. yeah i don't know i just uh, me personally just looking at marketing wise there there's so much opportunity out there and i think these companies and, are yeah. missing it and and it wouldn't take much it, would, it, it just it wouldn't i mean I, I don't think any of us here would say no to you know hey dexter shoe company wants to sponsor you he's gonna they're gonna give you a pair of shoes they want to yeah. take a picture of you saying hey i'm so and so I use these shoes. Yeah, I got a two-year contract with Dexter, and they give me a pair of shoes, one for each year. That yeah. would every five pin professional five pin bowler at this point in time would take that deal and wear Dexter on their back. The, yeah, that's a no-brainer, and that's huge advertising for Dexter because that's at at least four different tournaments, four WCBT tournaments, out on the lanes for close to seven hours per shift at some points. With advertising going on all the time, I don't know. For for pennies on the dollar, yeah, yeah, essentially. In, but, in, in, in yeah. product, right? Yeah, yeah. You you think you think how big that logo will be on Adam's back too, right? That's huge marketing. <laughs> Lots of real estate. A lot of real estate. But what about like it, it'd be you know pretty minimal cost to make a cut out of Mitch too, right? It's pretty pretty yeah, tiny. Exactly. Right? Only yeah, so much exactly. cardboard. But his shoes only go up to size eight and a half, so you can only buy them. <laughs> it's almost like an amusement park ride thing. He must be this tall. <laughs> and unfortunately, no. I think you're going to start seeing, like Tim, you're saying people are building their own shoes and stuff like that. Maybe somebody starts a small company with building bowling shoes and another five pin bowling ball manufacturer starts out West here and they jump into that hole in the market. It, I don't know. You, you always hear rumors that there's people developing bowling balls out east. There's been rumors out west. There's been people talking about building bowling shoes and building it for other people for a small fee, right? So there is a market developing. And uh, not that maybe I want them to flourish more than I want Dexter to come in and steal the show. But it's it's kind of sad to see these giant bowling companies not supporting the bowling itself but, but especially, we, we especially said, yeah. considering that just the wave that five pins on right now and and the likely continued growth of it now would you not want to get in the market like now yeah. as everything's starting to grow while you have influence while there there's more influence all across canada within the sport 
like now is the time right and it it's it, 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 it's too big a market for these guys not to look at yeah i mean especially for a company like dexter like right now right now they could grab a stranglehold hold like uh brunswick just bought out uh EBI. yeah uh, ebonite and uh which was like lens and and hammer and yeah. all those and they're moving their, their factories to mexico and uh, but I mean, they're going to be distracted. They're not going to give a crap about us for you know a number of years because they got to get their stuff straightened out first. So if Dexter wants a stranglehold, now's the time. Yeah. Really. Oh, or, or or does Brunswick come in and, and try to take that market, knowing that they're going to need that market share? Yeah, I have no idea. Like it, it it's strange. It. It's kind of a good time for five pin bowling because the professional side is growing so much that I think it it's like Adam you're saying it is the right time that these companies start jumping in and you're starting to see sponsorships for players um, for local companies out of their local areas or whatever like that that that's going on and that's getting stronger but bowling bowling manufacturers seem to be lagging behind and I don't know maybe they think the bowling market's collapsing and they just don't want to spend the extra marketing money I don't know but um, like I said in the post I think it's just something that's being missed and anytime I'm going to bring it up and hopefully people will be listening and share like comment on this kind of stuff to help bring awareness to the situation hopefully it drives prices down and your local play or your local bowlers can afford new Dexter shoes instead of paying four hundred dollars for them because they're not going to buy them for that price. No. Hey, right. that was good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, I'll bring up a topic then. Okay. Well, first of all. Um, I guess I have a new role on this podcast. I'm supposed to say congratulations to high scores and whatnot. And so Carrie, Carrie just slacks off and passes things off. So um, we had a 448 in Winnipeg uh, at the St. James Friday Night Scratch League, Jaden Nickerson. So congratulations, Jaden. Um, welcome to the club. I have a 448 myself. So I feel your pain there, bud. <laughs> and uh, a 450, Ben Hendrickson from Prince George, BC, and during the BC North Open, he shoots a perfect game at the Chapel. So the better Hendrickson finally, finally throws a perfect game. So did good, he, good did, on, good on. did he go hashtag thank, thank you, Dex? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, th- th- this one's already um, relative. <laughs> um, Robbie and Brett, you got to step up your games. You're being passed. Let's go, boys. <laughs> That uh, that perfect game was impressive. I only got to see the last uh, last three shots, but all of them were looked really confident yeah. and clean out of his hand. Like it, it didn't it didn't look like it phased him at all. So good for him. It was also on one of the sets of lanes that they had a leak coming from the roof, patched up with uh, with a uh, garbage bag. Yeah. So, so what, what? I mean, honestly, that is that is remarkable focus. I don't know what the conditions are, but I would be sitting there thinking, like, is this thing going to fall on my head? <laughs> yeah. So, that, that incredible. Good for you, man. Yeah. I, I guess that's a topic. Have any of you guys had bowling hazards in your way while you're at a bowling alley? I saw I saw two in a chaco. I saw I saw the the garbage bag being taped up to the front with a dripping roof. 
on lane one, I think it was on six, I think it was. Um, somebody sent me a Snapchat and uh, you couldn't bowl on the left-hand side of the approach because there was water dripping on there. So they had, they had a rag, so you could only play on the right side. So imagine playing, playing an event, a BCU Provincial, uh, sorry, Zone Open, and you could only play on the right side of the approach on lane number six. So wow. I've never had to deal with that. I know Jeff England's talked about lost bowling balls at uh, Sherwood. Um, yeah, yeah, under the yeah, gutters, <laughs> yeah. under the gutters, and there's been buckets on the lanes in Sherwood. But this um, is wild, man. Like, yeah, one of the ones that I seen back in the day was I think it was Wednesday match play at Bonnie Doom before the synthetics went in. Casey Campbell got a spike through his shoe, the splinter. Oh, oh no, he lost. Yeah. He lost the little Dinaroo's slider in the board or something like that. I think it was. Yeah. And yeah. Charles Charles Hahn got the splinter in his shoe. <laughs> Yeah, is this crazy yeah, wood breaking down? I saw. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Was... Joe Joe Wood had a huge spike. Is probably about, almost five inches long. Go right through a Teflon slider in Paradise one year. <laughs> like honestly, and and it happens. It is. It happens with woodlands, uh, and it happened to us one time to somebody in our open play, and literally there, there was not much you could do. You never know when a board is going to break. And, and and those those spikes, they're usually like hairline cracks that you can't even see, and then somebody just catches it the wrong way and yanks that whole piece right up. And it is, it's it's crazy. That's why you know what we've had people for years trying to be like, hey, can we go sock bowling after whatever tournament? I'm like, oh yeah, no no, geez. hell Never. no, no chance, <laughs> not on wood lanes. It just gives me the heebie-jeebies. Please don't do it. Um, no. Tim, you had an interesting one in Toronto the one time, right? Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. I, we, uh, National Classifieds 2014. No, 2015. 2015. Antelay. <laughs> Antelay. So we're, we're at Rexdale Lanes. I tell you what, it was probably the, the scummiest place I've ever played at. And I played a lot of pl places before. Um, lucky nobody got a staph infection in the bathroom. But we're, we're, when we're in there... Um, it was disgusting. It was absolutely disgusting. So when we're in there, um, we play on the first gate lanes, the first gate, and then the back gate lanes the second day. And uh, all I remember was the poor judge of play. She actually was uh, teaching masters the next year, uh, next like next week, and uh, she had a shot back out. And every couple frames, it was on three and four. She had to turn the shot back on and 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 suck up all the ants that were coming up and and all the ones that were stuck on the approach people sliding it was absolutely oh. it was wild like we finished two and a half hours before the ladies did it was all it was just wild like you couldn't believe it i know you can hear the shot back you can ask jimmy lull and jimmy was there and uh, tom williams was there it was it was quite the experience yeah hmm. i i just want to say that like you know we're not we're not here trying to bash centers or no. anything like that things happen things happen and everybody is doing the best they can um for the most part but uh yeah there there are some like just funny situations that like you just you just never expect to deal with well um i know this has been a common theme in the last couple of nationals but anik with the raised foul lines right yeah yeah it, it's raised something you have to deal with um it's out of the norm and uh i felt sorry for the players that laid the ball down because it it didn't work very well yeah yeah <laughs> 
You got you had to play outside. If you played outside lines, you're okay. You'd also avoid the bubbles and the synthetics. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I remember. I think it was 2013 Masters in uh, Newfoundland. Uh, there was one one house there. It was a little eight lane house. Uh, of course, it's you know July long weekend, so it's it's stupid hot already. Um, eight lanes of guys like big sweaty guys and that and then you took a look down there's like two steps down or something like that to the Lionel and you could actually see the Lionel like sweltering right there there was all of this you know water and everything so you couldn't even walk down there so everybody's up on these little these eight lanes one of the worst shifts I've ever had to play in and then I had that uh, Eric Chos uh, hazard there uh, in Regina last year that was <laughs> yeah. That was a good one. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure yeah. it was the fly the fly landed in front of you and tripped oh, you. Yeah. I'm pretty sure oh, that's that was happened. another one. Was yeah. One. We we had that in, in uh Scottsdale the one year because it was always so warm when there they had the outside doors open and we had we had uh, a dragonfly break where there was one landing on the middle of the lanes all over and everyone was waiting to try to get that thing out of there. There was a Friday night league in Sherwood that I had to I chased out a bat. A bat. It, yeah, it snuck in the back door, and I was like, oh, what am I going to do? So I'm literally, I took a smeared off ice box and taped it to a stick, and I was, like, <laughs> I was running around the bowling alley until, <laughs> until the thing ended up sitting on a wall, and I had to, like, I hooked it, I hooked the box on him, and then slid the box down the wall, and just slid another piece of cardboard on top of it, and caught the bat, and just took it outside and threw it out, so... Dexter, uh, speaking of sure bowl and hazards, what about uh, the poos near on the lanes? Twenty like twenty oh six there, buddy. Oh no! <laughs> uh, yeah, so it was it was a Monday night league, and I I don't know who or how or what happened, but all I know is all of a sudden there was this big kerfuffle on lane seven and eight. It was actually on the right hand side of lane eight. I'll never forget, and. Uh, Someone just came up to me and showed me his shoe, and he was really angry. And this is as bad as my swearing is going to get because I'm just going to quote him directly. But he's like, I slid through shit. It's on my shoe. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Take a look at my shoe. So I had to clean his shoe. And I had to clean the lanes. And I don't know what happened, but somebody was up there getting ready to throw a ball and, like, sh like rolled out a nugget on his right pant leg or something. I don't know. <laughs> oh, man. The, the joys of being a wow. proprietor. Yeah. yeah. And we Coops weren't even here. proprietors then. I was just some lowly <laughs> pin chaser cashier that had to go clean the crap off someone's shoe. Literally, I still don't get paid enough for that. So, so that's a good question to our audience. What malfunctions have you seen at a bowling alley? And please uh, comment on this post when it goes up on oh, Facebook. No. Yeah, um, we're, we're, we want to hear. Not about, we want to hear the we're, stories. We're, we're not talking about Mike Mike Herbert's car or his bowling bag or his shoes. No, we want his glasses, in-house stories or, or anything like <laughs> or, that. Or his forehead. <laughs> his forehead. <laughs> Yep. Uh, well, 
There was the one time at Wednesday match. Don't wear jeans a bowl, people. Don't wear jeans a bowl. And if, if you are going to wear jeans a bowl, get stretch jeans and bowl on those. Uh, Costco sells them. They're fantastic. Um, there was one Wednesday match where I ripped my jeans from my crotch to my left knee, like all the way down. And I, I really wasn't too worried about it. I had, I had boxes on, so it's like, oh, well, well, whatever. So I bowled the rest of the night. No big deal. Came in the next week. I didn't learn my lesson, and I, <laughs> I, I, I wore another pair of jeans. And I ripped them from crotch to knee again. I was like, oh, well, I'm wearing boxers. No big deal. Until I'm sitting there talking to my good friend, Katie Rayner, Katie Harris. I'm checking the time, and we're just chatting away, and I look down, I'm like, I'm showing way more than I should be right now. <laughs> Proceeded to go grab a pair, of, uh, grab some duct tape, and and move on, and and, and never wear regular jeans again. <laughs> Just don't do it. It's the expensive ones that rip really easy. Yeah, Costco stretch jeans, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Sponsor them. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, other than that, I mean, I've had like countless shoe malfunctions. There was the, there was one Sunday match where uh, I was wearing my 3G Tour Ultras, uh, the, the the Dinaroos, and uh, my right foot was always notoriously like really slippery. But I always found that after playing on synthetics, they would be extra slippery. And then I came back to Sherwood and there was still wood. And I remember bowling on lane 16 and I took my first step and the right foot slipped straight out and I thought I was going to die but I, I stopped everything and I was like okay I'm good flash forward like two games later I'm facing Casey Campbell and it's frame two and I take my my second step and my right foot slips straight out and I go to stop again and I rear up and I couldn't stop and I launched that ball probably 45 feet out in the air and it came straight down on the lanes and Casey could not stop laughing and I could not stop laughing. And then Tim walked over and was like, why would you do that? And I was like, well, clearly I was so mad after frame one that I decided that I wanted to throw a ball 45 feet out of the air. But uh, yeah. I'm just, gl I'm just, I'm just glad your uh, father-in-law wasn't disappointed in you. <laughs> you thought it was hilarious. In any case, I learned my lesson. I moved away from the three G's. I love those shoes, but now I have something with a little bit more grip on my right hand, on my right shoe. <laughs> Am I the only one having story time right now? Thought we were asking about malfunctions. Who's next? Somebody else got to have a malfunction somewhere. Well, I've I definitely, watched... <laughs> definitely seen I watched... quite a few like shoe related incidents. I, I still remember one, I, I think it was TSN qualifying's, um, like one of the either the, the last year or the second last year we were playing at bowling depot in, in calgary that's about a game and a half left i think it is basically a two horse race between me and barry and lane and uh, i ended up going up and uh, uh you know when the velcro just kind of lets go for good and uh yeah that ended up happening i i've ended up going over the foul line and literally it was like watching this slider just kind of come over me in slow motion and like land right at the center arrow like right in front of me type thing and then uh yeah we would try, try to get the the shoe all done and i think i lost by like 20 or something by the, at the end of it but yeah no I, i've seen a bunch of saw shauna 
uh, Puri uh, end up losing her, I think it was her heel actually uh, at uh, Regina. That was either last year or two years ago. Uh, brand new pair of shoes and just the Velcro didn't hold. I had that one happen to me at YBC Nationals in 2006. I was an anchor and we were facing Northern Ontario. Okay. And uh, we needed to win that match, and I was anchor, and I go up and I throw a strike in, in ten, and my heel comes off, and I slide like three inches past the foul line. Uh, so I was pretty mad, and I, I put my heel back on and took like four practice slides and went up and threw another strike and did it again, and then uh, it happened to be the third ball too, and we ended up losing by I think ten or something like that, and I that was like the one of the few times that I really lost my cool and bowl. Like I, I, I kicked my heel off the lane the last time and I threw my shoe and it happened to be right at the, like the judge of play. But <laughs> reached out like a bad catcher and caught that bad boy. It was good. <laughs> Cisco Byers. Yeah. It, ha- it happened to me once. Uh, open zones trials. Remember Adam on, I think 17, 18 at St. Albert 10th frame or something like that. I, I, uh, 2017, I fouled twice put a new slider fell off Velcro ripped off and then I uh, promptly like smashed the table and then I came back put another heel on different one and I slid right through because it was too fast and then it cost me from making singles that year so that happened that yeah, do you remember that that happened to Evan yeah. Lacusi at Open Provincials too did it not we lost like a couple Grand times Prairie. Yeah. same thing I just yeah. it's, it's the most helpless feeling in the world I mean like you just don't know, right? Well, if you can't trust you your slide, down. especially, man, it's so mentally, it's almost impossible to get over it. And even after you make that fix, it still takes you three, four frames to have any comfort whatsoever. Okay. I think I actually came back. I think I fouled twice in that frame. And I think I threw a four-bagger to finish. Like, it was frame eight. It's not how I did it. I don't know. Don't ask me how I did it, but. I don't know. I, yeah. I, I, yeah. Just guessing, we had judges of play following us. All right, guys. Well, I got a topic. Uh, one question that I'm asked a lot uh, from uh, I call them non-tour players mainly, I guess, is uh, uh, a lot of players just trying to strive to get to you know what so-called next level of the sport, right? And uh, I my question for you guys is what do you consider maybe a next level of a, an average player or uh, do, do you have average classifications like an average uh, player above average elite super elite etc cetera, etc cetera? and um, what uh, what ideas would you have for some of those players to try to get to the next level of their game all right that's a good, that's a good one adam um, I, the average ranges, I, I don't know. I, I struggle with them because it's different everywhere you go across the country, just depending on, on centers, pinfall conditions. Um, out here, you know, a 260 is pretty damn good out here, you know, to even, right. But I, I think if you're, I think if you're over 250, I think you're elite. I think in most places, just because of, on, on pinfall and stuff like that. And let's face it, league, you don't necessarily, maybe are not as focused as you should during, um, unless you're playing a tour event or masters of the open or whatnot. 
Um, that being said, I, I think the difference between maybe a, uh, a 220 or uh, 250 is honestly, it's mental game, obviously. We, we always talk about the pre-shot routine. But I, I think, honestly, spare shooting. Absolutely. I think it's I think it's the key. You can hit the middle and throw as many strikes as you want, but if you don't pick up your spares and pick up those corners. And and a lot of it, too, is experience. You know, how many times did, did Dex, like, or all of us at one point, played these events, cash tournaments? I wish I got go back from my early years of Masters in the Open and know what I know now and how to handle myself and play those things again because – I got my ass kicked a lot and I'm not going to be honest with it. And I'll, it works two different ways in this, in this world. And especially in the bowling world, you get your ass kicked a few times, you come out of YBC and you quit. You see so many people quit, right? You're, you're a big fish in YBC and you're in a small pond. Now you're a small fish in a big pond. Um, I think it's just perseverance. If you want to be that way, there's enough people we're fortunate out in Alberta. We're willing to guide you the right way, but you got to play. You got to get experience. You gotta get confidence, right? And um, the only way you get confidence is is playing. And I, I think and working at your game. So many people use those apps out there. I, for one, do not use that app. I do not care what my average is, my spare percentage is, my my pinage. I don't. I I know just by my total how well I'm playing for the most part. And if you do use that, then use it for your advantage. Like there's a couple local players that play at our center that always follow this app. And he's like. Oh, I'm forty percent on my corners. I was like, "Well, like Dexter said for one day, okay, that's great. What have you done about it?" And he's like, "Well, nothing." I was like, "Well, there's a difference, right? There's a difference between your two thirty average and your two fifty to two sixty, right?" And I, uh, that's my in a nutshell. If you want to, if just play, play and get experience and and learn how to grind out those games. I think, um, I think, I think you're right. Well, I agree with you in a lot of the aspects of that. Um, but I think I think that like the 230, 240, two or, or low two fifty average ranges. I think you can get there from um, from working on your spare game and, and your pins games and stuff like that. Being consistent with your shot and just you know figuring out how you're going to make those spares on a regular basis. I think if you want to move into you know the 260, 270 average range at at, at tournaments, um, it's it's definitely a combination of that. Um, and if you're talking about like the physical side of things, that's also figuring out new and unique ways to increase your strike percentage because you know you're gonna you're gonna average 240 250 just making spares all day you, you could you could do that but you're not gonna average 270 280 making spares all day because you throw in one head pin you're not going to do that so that then it, then it comes down to the time periods where you what works at that center just trying to find a, a, a different way of making that scoring happen easier for you rather than, you know, just grinding it out. If you can grind out a tournament, good for you. Like it takes a lot of talent and it takes a, a lot of skill and, and a, a lot of commitment to it and a lot of emotional stability to do it. But I'm, I'm a big proponent of trying to make life easier for yourself. So that means come in and practice and, and practice picking your spares and all that stuff, but come in and practice different lines, um, maybe different rotations, because different speeds, because um, it's going to work different in different centers for everybody. So try to find something that, that'll give you that, that advantage. 
Um, I think also to get to that 260, 270, 280 average range in tournament mode, which is super important now on the, on the cash tournament side of things. Uh, I mean, even, even our masters, our masters, you need to shoot 9,000 for your four, eight game sets in order no, yeah, 9,000 to, to, to try to qualify for a team. So you need to be able to try to get to that 270 to 280 average range, emotional stability. I cannot stress that enough because you know, I think getting out of YBC and, and when we're averaging 250, we, we expect the world um, and we expect everything to go our way. Um, and I think there's kind of a, a growth period where you learn it. That's not how it works. It just doesn't go your way just because you're, you're physically able to make that shot. You got, you gotta, you gotta find a way to reel that in, not get over, you know, overhyped when you're playing well, not get, you know, too upset when things aren't going your way because as some of our guests have said in, in our time, um, there's time, there's always time, um, figure it out, spend that time. Um, we just had a master set where I was like, I spent six games trying to figure out something. And then, and then I, I ended up finding something and shooting seven, seven thirty or seven forty for my last two to make something, but you have time. Don't get too mad about it because it's the second that you get too mad, you throw yourself right out of it. And that that's that. So, um, I think those are the two biggest things. If you want to get to that 270 elite level for tournaments, because like, like you said, Tim, leagues, it, leagues are whatever. Leagues are a good way of, of of staying sharp. But if you want to get to that point, you've got to work on figuring out a strike percentage and work on like just being emotionally stable. Yeah, uh, just kind of building on that. Like Tim was saying, it kind of depends on which house you're playing in, what the pinfall's like. I think if you're if you're playing a league in a house and you can kind of see all their league stats for the the whole week or whatever, if you're in the top ten percent, five percent of a of a like let's say Sherwood Bowl, if you're in the top five percent of Sherwood Bowl's averages, you're probably an elite player. It it may be where it's two sixty plus at Sherwood Bowl, but it maybe that's only two fifty plus in Heritage Lanes because the conditions are tougher. So it's hard to establish an average for that. Obviously, 250 and above, you're definitely at least a good player, if not a great player, if not elite status. But with that being said, how do you make that jump to being that good? Um, Like Tim said, you're picking your corners, picking your chop spares, stuff like that. That definitely helps, keeps you solid, gives you a chance to be that high all the time. But when you're practicing to get better, make it make sure it's quality practice not just throwing at the middle anybody can hit the middle i hit the middle 92 percent of the time it's not the middle that makes you good it's hitting the side of the middle that makes you great pay attention to that because if you're throwing nothing but cruncher strikes when you're practicing at bonnie dune lanes and you go play heritage that same shot is probably not going to give you the same results hitting the side of the middle would probably give you the same result at a different house. So pay attention to how your practice is going, how the strikes are coming about. If they're splashers because you're hitting the pocket all the time, that's going to work everywhere. But if you're if you're getting cruncher strikes in your practice, it's, it's a great feeling. It's probably going to work in that house a lot of the time. But when you go somewhere else, that shot 
it, it may work, it may not. It's such a, it's almost a coin flip. So make sure your, your practice is quality and you're looking at how you're hitting the pockets. Because like I said, pockets will work everywhere, so. I definitely agree with uh, the majority of your guys' points. Uh, uh, decks especially, uh, that, that kind of emotional side of it, not getting too high, not getting too low, just that, that stability factor. Uh, I, I think it gives you just the, the perfect base to be able to jump to another level or, or find an extra gear in a tournament, for example, uh, rather than you know getting so far down on yourself that it takes you a game, game and a half to get out, and then basically that shift is done or, or whatnot. Um, I, I guess if there was like average classifications of, of um, uh, call it just a, f a fair competitive house, um, nothing pie house, anything like that. I don't know, kind of, kind of the, the average categories that I would have for, for like a competitive player. Uh, I kind of classified like an average bowler between 200, 225, an above average between 225, 250, uh, an elite uh, from like 250, 265, and then kind of your, your super elite of like 265 plus. And uh, I think all of you guys made good points on, uh, you know, how to kind of jump to a level. Uh, I think goal goal making is really important. Um, not to make a, a goal so far out of reach to jump, say, two categories in a year type of thing. Uh, work on the, the the little things. Get into practice. Um, yeah, ha have that that good practice mindset of that you're actually working on something for for a purpose, um, and then then apply that to even your league, right? I, I think we all know they. Uh, you know the tournament side of it usually brings out an extra 10 15 pins in, into most players um for for tournament to competitive average um but it doesn't mean that you, you need to stop that league as well I, I think if you apply it to league i think it carries over into tournament mode as well great says our favorite league bowler <laughs> Tim. <laughs> <laughs> what's league <laughs> Hey, I haven't thrown a ball in like five weeks, boys. It's feeling so good. <laughs> no one missed you at TPC, that's for sure. We didn't even get questions. Hey, per perfect. Spe <laughs> speaking of TPC, if anybody sees Bradford, where's the reward out there, guys? <laughs> <laughs> our, our table bandit. <laughs> Has Katie replaced uh, her her table yet? Oh, she doesn't know that it it exploded. Like we we fixed her up, and Dad's like, "Yeah, it should be fine." Somebody else sat it on Friday night. It just, it's just like <laughs> kaboom. <laughs> so yeah. Ah, good times. Well, I think uh, I'm going to start up a, uh, a segment, a weekly segment, I, I think probably either coming up this week or next week. Uh, probably something like a, a top five or a top ten type of a list. And uh, I think we, we've got a few kind of concepts that, that we're already kind of throwing around. Uh, but I'll definitely leave it up to, uh, to some of the podcast listeners as well. Uh, throw some, some, some good bowling-related um, 
you know top five or top tens that you'd like uh, the the podcast crew here to uh, to go through. Uh, I think the uh, the the one we're going to do this week is going to be uh, uh, the top five uh, truth stretchers in our game, and uh, I think we've we've already kind of had a, a bit of a laugh at a few names that, <laughs> that have come out here already. So uh, check 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 out for that this week as well. Yeah, for sure. So think of how they stretch the truth. Do they throw 14 frames in a 10-frame game, or do they uh, exaggerate how many strikes in a row they get, or something like that? I'd like to hear your thoughts on this one. We got we got our picks already. We'll let you know next week. If they we had pick, 17 headpins with that game. Players. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's all, it's all, we're not picking on you. We're just going to have a little bit of fun with it. No, exactly. It's yeah. all well, about we're fun. picking on you a little. Yeah. Those, those <laughs> five, yeah. Yeah. You five shape up. <laughs> and maybe we'll bring out the top five bowling destructions or something like that. Like Chris Bradford taking out a table or Mike Herbert in his car. Yeah. So come up yeah. with ideas, come up with categories that we can fill out and the rest of the listeners can fill out their own lists and post it on Facebook or email it to us or text Tim, do whatever you want. Text me, yeah. <laughs> Everyone's got his number. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Good old 85 Prez. <laughs> hey Tim, how yeah. are things going with the... Um... The rule book modifications. I can't comment at this time. We're shooting for August, though, right? Is that correct? We're shooting. Yes, I, I have uh, I have received the fact that is I'm already late sending it in, so uh, we'll get everything ready anyways for August. You don't have pull as a five president. Um, I have as much pull as everybody else does, and uh, when you're late for a deadline, you're late for a deadline. <laughs> Great point, Tim. Agreed. <laughs> it, it hurts. It, it kills families, apparently. So uh, <laughs> Monday, Monday, we had a little bit of an issue with the deadline, but that's okay. And that's an inside comment for. Uh... I don't even know who. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Tim's talking in puzzles again, ladies and gentlemen. Tim talking in puzzles. Uh, so that's for all our listeners too. If uh, they want any rules that they want to update or whatever, um, or any thoughts on rules that they don't like or how that, please comment again. We'll uh, we'll definitely discuss them as long as we uh, feel they need to be discussed or if they're pretty cut and dry rules, we'll just move on. But is is there anything in Dex's rulebook corner for this week? Uh, I, I'm literally scrolling through it right now, and no, I don't. I don't know. Mike Greenley was talking to him about it, how much he loved it, so I thought hopefully you don't disappoint him. <laughs> he, he he does. Yeah, he, <laughs> he does. It's, uh, everyone's favorite segment uh, because it's our only regular segment. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. Um, here's here's one that uh was uh, relayed to me a little while ago because um, she was upset about it and it, it turned out to be me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, rule number 25, bowling shoes. 
Bowling shoes must be worn during league and tournament play. Seems like a simple yeah. rule. <laughs> Regina consolation, maybe not so much. So, uh, <laughs> I guess the great question is, I mean, like, with nowadays where you could change your sliders and heels on absolutely everything, and if you want to put rubber on both feet, what constitutes a bowling shoe, people? What constitutes a bowling shoe? I know lots of people who put uh, who put socks over their bowling shoes. Yep. Is that still a bowling shoe? Now, to me, that's a sock. But but so we were we were in Regina one year, and uh, I was terrible. I like absolutely terrible. I couldn't I couldn't do anything. This was probably like seven years ago. I could not figure out how to throw strikes, and I, I worked and I worked and I worked and I couldn't figure it out. And then we were playing some, you know, side side bets on uh, sock bowling as as we do, and uh, I was playing Maddie Schultz. Uh, 20 bucks a ball and uh, I threw nothing but strikes for like 20 straight balls so uh, I went to my good friend and mentor uh, Tom Stevenson and I was like Tommy uh, I think I'm going to play Constellation in my socks and it's like well why I'm like because honestly I've worked all weekend trying to figure this out and I, I simply, this is this is the first thing that's actually worked for me. So right now I feel like I'm gonna bowl my socks. And he's like, well, as long as it doesn't affect anybody, then that's then that's fine. So I started out, and I'm pretty sure I started with a seven bagger. And uh, shout out to uh, Kathy Langwa, who was bowling that constellation and bowling very well. Was not in, not impressed with me bowling in my socks. But I didn't even know that this rule existed, to be honest, because I didn't think a rule like this would be absolutely necessary. But uh, clearly needed to be uh, stated. It was brought up to the judge of play <laughs> a couple of times, and then the judge of play did talk to uh, the tournament directors, and and they said that it was fine. Um, maybe not quite in those words, but they said it was fine. To me. To me, I think if if it's really an advantage or an advantage to not wearing bowling shoes, then take off your bowling shoes. I think the only re stipulation, the only reason why that this rule should exist is for the wood lanes, for sweaty feet and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, right? transfer to the lanes. You'd be making a sticky no different than a foreign substance in a bowling ball. Yeah. Right. Well, I think you didn't shower, Do, Dexter. Does sweat consider is that is that considered a foreign substance? Yeah, it is. I don't know, I don't know about that. <laughs> hey, so here, 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 well, unless it's my sweat on your sweat. Anyways, but besides, besides that, who won consolation that year? I won consolation that year. You did. All right, all right, Pete Weber. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I want. I. Everybody was all worried about Dexter. Who do you think I am? Or who do you think you are? I am. <laughs> and and I and I snuck in and I won it. Over oh no, I didn't win consolation. No, I started with a seven bagger and it was trash. <laughs> <laughs> it was a quick fix. It but didn't that fix was more strikes than I had probably thrown in my entire shift. So I will yeah. take it. That's kind of a fair fair kind of segue though. Right? You're mentioning you know potential of having you know. 
uh, sweat on your your socks and doing all that stuff. Well, what happens in some of these tournaments where some of the larger guys that are out there um, aren't necessarily wiping off sweat before a shot, and you know it's getting out there on the approaches, right? Like it, it, Regina's a perfect example, especially near the end of a tournament, right? There, there's usually people either sticking or going down. It, it seems to happen every year, right? And I'm sure that's a, a contributing factor to it. I, I don't think somebody's sweating on the lanes and droplets are forming a, a sticky spot. I think that's just humidity of the amount of people in the building. I don't, yeah. I don't think like sweat is a contributing factor to uh, dropping on the lanes itself. It might be contributing to the humidity in the area, but um, do you think, like, let's say somebody did have a droplet of sweat and it landed on the lane, do you really think that's going to affect your slide? How, yeah, how sweaty was I, Eric Chost? <laughs> no, that that, that that's, that has nothing necessarily to do with that. <laughs> that but I, I've I've definitely seen you know a couple larger guys, and I, I know I, I sweat quite a bit when I'm out there, but I'm I'm wiping it off literally all the time. Uh, but you do see droplets out there, and it's no different than seeing a droplet in the back, or you go to the bathroom and you, you step in one droplet. Is that going to affect you? Yeah. You'll pro- probably yes, Ooh. right. Um, yeah, Does it affect you after two, two or three, you know, slides where it's pretty much kind of gone, right? It, it, I know it's out there, and it's not necessarily on purpose or anything like that, but uh, I, I think it's it, it's similar to you know having sweaty feet and not wearing shoes. So much for Adam's uh, fat guy's bowl better statement, but yeah, no, no, still still works. <laughs> Also throws off everybody else. <laughs> That's right. I don't know. Eliminates hey, competition. We're, we're a professional. We're supposed to be able to uh, dig through the tough times and you know come out golden. So well, pretty soon we're all going to be wearing sweatbands, just because Adam Weber wants it in the rule book. What? Hey, hey, the tour does not like sweatbands on TV. We tried no. that already. Oh, headbands were allowed. Oh, yeah, they're, they're fine. No hats. No hats. <laughs> Dexter, you, yeah, you, you have enough time to get headbands now, Dexter. Oh, I've got lots of time. <laughs> you, you better take it up with uh, the WCBT committee before you just show up. You should talk I did to last Sir year. Bull, but I have the texts. Dexter, talk to the proprietors of Sure Bowl. I'm sure you can make something work out of that. Oh, perfect for sponsorship <laughs> opportunities. That's right. All right. Where's Phil? I I will I will I will, if I have to, bring up the text. <laughs> just <laughs> just just know you won't be the only one wearing a headband at the Tour Championship. Really? Well, there's somebody else that's right up there that wears headbands a lot. Will his say this is not a hat? Because <laughs> that's what mine's gonna say. <laughs> oh man. Okay, I think we're gonna wrap this one up. Sorry we dragged it along for you guys, but uh, we wanted to bring one out every week for you. So hopefully, our, one of our guests will show up for next week. Uh, thanks, guys, for hanging out. This was a long one. Uh, if people didn't know, we had some internet issues, so we had reconnection problems and all that good stuff. 
if you think we talked a lot of crap during this one, you should hear all the crap we talked about before. <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> <right>. <laughs> this was a long one. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you. See you.